is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. This is episode 35 of Series 7, and I see across the desk here in South Bank, Craig Hutchison, who I believe has uh, effectively jumped just jumped off a plane, Hachi. Good morning to you on this particular Tuesday of this week. Hello, Damo. Yes, back in Melbourne after uh, a trip to Perth. So I got in late last night, as you can probably tell by my voice, which hasn't held up very well for the last six weeks, it must be said. But uh, this is D-Day for you. <laughs> Not only the start of 22 weeks of annual leave, as we know, which is uh, you'll enjoy through to um, March. Ten. I see you've already uh, opted out of the rush hour last night. Mitch Cleary was sitting in in your place already. Oh, was he? Holidays <laughs> kicking. Well, I'm on air at the same time it's on, Hutchie, but, so I'm actually uh, got a conflict in that one. But yeah. you've finally agreed after I got a follow-up email from him last week. <laughs> Just one follow-up? <laughs> from you and Max Becker, the 14-year-old uh, prodigy, the sensational 15-year-old, I should say now. And finally, after having to go through your manager famously all oh. through the year and you being far too busy for all of the winter, you finally sit down, sitting down for a bit of one-on-one. And I tell you what, Shane who's our producer, you and I are going to be going over the tapes all week. <laughs> we'll be sitting there. Which is the reason I've delayed ti- it to <laughs> this point. <laughs> I'll be time-coding <laughs> in points and out points of the audio <laughs> for next week's show. I'm looking forward to it. It'll get me through the week. <laughs> and this is the reason I've been saying no to Max, actually, for this very precise reason that you're going to uh, pull this- it apart. And if it wasn't you, it would have been those other idiots I worked no. with on Triple M. I know. Max yeah. is very, very good. But he's going to take you on a real ride through the demo career. <laughs> is that what's going to happen, is it? Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to, well, yeah, I did cover the Sheffield Shield. At least, yeah, well, that um, was a good time in my life. At least yeah, you'll know the story, Archie. At least you'll know all the stories. I mean, you, you're a war storyteller from way back. You're the best I know at that. But you know most of my he'll, war stories too. So you'll you, get some you'll stuff know out of you that we haven't heard before. That's what I'm like looking forward to. <laughs> have, you, have you briefed him? I haven't yet. But I, <laughs> I've seen this morning. I'll say, I haven't yet. I'll say, pop it here for a sec, young man. Pick up a few things you should know. <laughs> oh, let me go. Let me guess. Uh, 2015 Brownlow Medal, Luke Beveridge. There'll be one story you want to... Brad Scott and the Cobwebs. (laughs) (laughs) Timely. Um, I think he's been stalking me, Max. What what do you mean? Well, he managed to get it out there that I said no because I didn't want to do it for the reasons that that relate to you getting your hands on it. I then was at a footy function during the uh, finals and a guy came up to me, Max Becker's manager. Yes. So he then sort of put some heavies on me to do it and then... Yesterday morning. Now, this is yesterday morning after I'd done AFL Daily. I went and had a walk with a mate. I, uh, and then at the conclusion of that walk, gets tapped on the shoulder again from someone. Max Becker's uncle. Hutchie, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Max <laughs> Becker. There's a, there's a blitz. <laughs> yeah. well, so sorry, they, they, they've, they've worn me down. I'm doing it. I saw the promo on Instagram last night. I had a rice smile as I saw the promo drop. <laughs> it's been promo. It's been the much hyped interview. Well, it's supposed to be interesting. You know you can be dull at I times. I am boring. I'm really boring. Yeah. Try and give it a little bit of something. <laughs> and I'll be particularly boring to try and play it down so you've got no ammunition, Hutchie. Try so. and give it a little something. <laughs> what did you give, Max, when you did yours? I was episode 50, so uh, I just sort of, you know, Milestone Read through the greatest hits. It was fine. <laughs> um, now, speaking of, let's uh, get it. What, what, what before you go? Be speaking of podcast, so I, I think I've got a little, and, and I don't want to go too hard with it because I haven't checked it out. But I've been told this from on good authority that uh, we might have some competition in the behind scenes media podcast world. Oh, you know my affection for a guy I've uh, dubbed Winks, Nick McKenzie. Right. Yeah. I believe that he's at least giving consideration to joining with his great mate and he's equally, nearly equal, journalistic mate, Richard Baker, 
to do something along those lines, Hutchie. And that would really be a problem for us because he's winks and we're not. A Baker McKenzie podcast. Mm. You think this is no, on? I don't, know, I don't know what stage of uh, development it's yep. in, but I have had it put to me on good authority yep. that it's at least been mooted. And what style of podcast would it be? A crime or? No, I, I think it might be different to the rubbish that we carry on with, in all honesty. But oh, it would so. be a deeper yep. dive of behind-scenes media than we uh, probably would dare well, to go. That, that would uh, put them in step with the other 96% of the population who have now got their own podcast, so that would be fantastic. <laughs> On that, we could have to be a guest on theirs and theirs on ours, and that's how it goes. Well, Jane apparently tried to get him for the outside broadcast that we did a couple of weeks ago, and nah, too big for us. Too big, yeah. Well, I think he was overseas, but he... <laughs> Very too big. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, we won't talk much footy because it doesn't interest either of us too much this time of year, but a couple of things to get off to clear. So trade radio is in the day seven today, and it's about halfway back, and Jason Horn francis put this into orbit on... Sunday night with his decision. Cal Toomey, afl.com.au, broke that story, yes. Did he really? Yep. Yes. So a few questions on this for me and then we'll move on. Should you be allowed to leave your club after one year? Yep, I reckon you should. You should I, I, why? Why not? What other industry doesn't allow you to potentially move around as much or as little as you want? Well, it brings the draft into complete um, farce, I reckon. Like you... You need to be able to have at least a two-year commitment to where you're drafted and vice versa. But, but why is it Jason Horn francis's problem that North Melbourne is and has been a basket case? Well, it's not. But well, well it, it, it is, Hutchie. And, well, it ha- certainly has been. Yeah, I understand why he would want to leave. Like, it's you couldn't make a case for him to stay, really, at the moment. Well, that's my point. Yep. Yeah. And again, there's a contract there. So if they want to play hardball, they can say, hey, hey you can tell us you want to go to Port Adelaide, but we're not touching that part of the deal. So they've got hold of him. It's just whether they want to roll that dice yep. on it. They'll, they'll move him now, though, won't they? They'll have to. I, I'd be staggered if he's yep. at North Melbourne next year. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for, for a number of reasons. But they've got that right, Hutchie. And, and if they did, I wouldn't have an issue if they did. But but to back to your initial question, I don't have an issue with him seeking a, a way out either. Yeah, it's I not his fault that he's ended up at that club. I, I like the idea of at least having to have two years at the club you're at. And I think ideal world, yeah. Yep. I, I don't. Being able to move. I certainly don't subscribe to it being it's, any more it's than eighteen two. months, really. When you think about it, yeah. Well, I don't subscribe to the the Kane Corns view and and others. It must be said that the first contract a player signs should be three or four years. I, I absolutely push back hard on that because the average lifespan of an AFL player is about four years. It might be four point something these days. Why should the lifespan? of the 18-year-old the be, be beholden to the club that finishes in a ladder position that's got access to him simply because of sometimes their own incompetence. It's a, I think you're allowed to move around, aren't you? You famously were brought back in the tent only in September. How is the tent? Are you still in? How's the uh, ambience in the tent? How's the uh, air filtration? Is everyone comfortable how the tent is well, sitting by the side of the... Uh... The, the annex that may have been attached to it, Archie, is uh, blown away. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's flapping in the breeze and the, the, the poles are coming down. Are you re- uh, regretting your decision to go back in the tent? Not foreseeing that I there was wasn't turmoil ahead? out, nor was I ever back in the tent, Archie. Are you, uh, you reconsidering your position given the... You I, found I two didn't more have the to consider. It's, I'm just observing, as, as I do, every other football club, and they're obviously back in a... A world of hurt right now, aren't they? Yeah, on, your, on a number of fronts. And what's your view of that? Is it it's beyond their control, or is it uh, disappointed? It's beyond their control. Obviously, I mean, you don't. I mean, you, you go and, and appoint Alistair Clarkson in one hundred percent good faith that that you have no line of sight on what was to come, and, and and that's not a stretch. But 
It doesn't mean that what lies ahead is going to be at all easy and the ugly decision that has to be made, and I would think reasonably soon, at least in a temporary or interim capacity, to, to have someone in charge of that club for at least the pre-Christmas part of the the pre-season is, is something they still to this moment don't want to properly explore, but, but I just can't see how they're not. Well, they need a plan, don't they? Because you're going to have players wanting to know who's in charge or someone in charge as they make the decisions on their future. And we've seen one example of it already. So mm. it's hard to – they haven't yet appointed a committee, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, still for the oversee the investigation. So it's now nearly two weeks since we, we we had the outside broadcast, to which I referred a few moments ago, on that Wednesday of that week. And it was that morning yep. that the Russell Jackson story broke, um, very early that particular morning. And, and we're now one day short of that being a full two weeks yep. – and we were told on the first day of it that within 24 hours by Gillen McLaughlin, there'd be a four-person panel formed to look into it. Now, we haven't got near that at this stage. Uh, it, with every passing hour, it just gets pushed back further, doesn't it? Yeah, and and the, with the two coaches making their own decisions, the right decisions to, to stand down or remove themselves from club operations, Chris Fagan and Alistair Clarkson, I don't see how they get back in until gonna, that's resolved. This is going to drag for a long time. And then two on, two on the Bombers before we move off footy. First of all, uh, Brad Scott has dusted off the coaching cobwebs, pardon the pun, Damo, yeah. to, to, to be back at the helm at Essendon. Um, you are as, an idiot. As we approach that famous Halloween anniversary yeah. upcoming, um, what's your view? Are you happy to see him back? Have you broken bread? Do you need a patch-up coffee? Hachi, How would you describe the relationship at the moment? This That particular issue nearly drove a permanent wedge in our friendship and you know that it nearly did and I'm, I'm actually well, only you're in not surpri- well yeah exactly so <laughs> I'm surprised you revisited as often as you do Brad and I get on very very well and I'm absolutely wrapped for him um, because I I don't think he's got a better CV uh, than than sorry I don't think he'd have a better CV having coached at the highest levels now you you when you talk about Brad Scott were always critical of his uh, prowess as a coach the first time around whereas I never doubted that making the two prelim finals no, with I an ordinary list I was never critical of his coaching yes, prowess yes, I was critical of North Melbourne's list strategy and in the end so was he which is why he left. So he agreed with me in the end, and he's been straight to the point to say we're going to build this properly, listening. Yeah. Which is what he should say. So ultimately, I was proven right and you wrong by <laughs> North Melbourne's failed attempt to squeeze a flag out of a list that wasn't good enough. They didn't finish top four in ten uh, years and still kept going down that path. Well, you say they didn't finish top four. They they made two preliminary finals, and if you want to look at the records, that says they finished top four, Hutchie. It doesn't matter how you get there; it's how you finish. Yep. And so, so don't don't get too cute on whatever it else someone else said about him in that regard. He, he twice made prelim finals. Yeah, I and was arguably unlucky in the second of those two I think in two thousand fifteen. Great job to coach those lists to where they got to, but they never ever built it properly at the time. The second thing is, it's emerged in the Herald Sun today, Sam Landsberg has written this story about the new CEO, the new Eston Chief Executive Andrew Thorburn, is chairman of a church organisation which likens abortion to the operation of concentration camps and declares that homosexual behaviour is wrong. Uh, Thorburn was, appoint, was appointed to the top bomber's role on Monday. The former NAB chief is also listed as chairman of an eight-church movement called City on a Hill. He's been uh, a Christian in 2012, the website says. Uh, he became a Christian in 2012, has attended this church since 2014. And among a host of sermons promoted on the website, one on abortion reads, we believe that we must be a voice for the voiceless and stand for the rights of the unborn baby and be pro-life. Human life begins at contraception. At, sorry, excuse me. Human life begins at conception. 
What's your take on this? Well, give me yours first, Hutchie. I'm asking the question for the moment. No, I want to throw this back at you because this is what you normally do. You normally throw it out here and you don't have to say yourself. You go first. I think it's I've got un- a view, by the way, but you go first. I think it's a very uncomfortable revelation and a very, um, I guess, ill-timed one for Essendon. I would assume that they have done their work on his role with this church, understood what it will be ongoing. Why would you assume that? It's possible they don't even know about it. But if they read that in the paper and didn't know about it in the CEO search when he was originally running the CEO search, I think they would be um, – I'm not here to um, criticise or defend anyone's views, but if you didn't understand what you were getting when you hired, that's a that's a real concern for me. Right. So you as an employer of many, many, well, literally hundreds of people around the country, would – that on a CV preclude that person from you hiring that person? Look, I haven't – I've read the story, so I haven't read the detail of um, his own association to those themes or to those views or um, any of those areas. But I would think in the process you would want to understand what his role is, how yep. public it is, and what his view is of those areas yeah. that are listed on the website. Because when you asked me a minute, moment ago, I, I was going to go there. I, I want to know his personal views on, on these particular issues. Because if yeah. we are to put a, a a sweeping assessment of people with regard to the connections they've got with religion yeah. or, or other groups, there'd be a lot of be non-employment. Whole, yeah, um, the whole world would fall apart. The, the right? whole yeah. football industry would yeah. fall apart. So I, you yeah. know, I, I was raised a Catholic and uh, yeah, a I'm Christian. The same. And but look, I don't, look at this behaviour. Yeah, and I, But I don't necessarily believe everything in the Bible. It's no. just... And I don't believe North Star of where how I was raised and where I came and, from. And I'm appalled at the handling of so many um, but I think when issues you're the, from the Catholic Church. But when you're the chairman of an organisation, you are indelibly linked to its yeah. views. Yeah, no, I, so, I get all that. But so, so today, and again, we like to tell listeners when we're, t- we're talking at, uh, what is it, 7.30 on this Tuesday of the day that, that's in the Herald Sun. Do you expect, do you, do you feel the need for Andrew Thorburn to go public pretty quickly with his own views on all of those issues today. Well, and or step, step down or step aside from, step the, role, aside. from the role of the he church. Step aside? He started. Oh, step aside from the church. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I would be – if Ernst and Young are running a, the, the process and it's as thorough as Dave Barham says it is, surely they have addressed that on the way through and have an understanding of – of, of what? So it's untenable for him to to be both the Essendon chief executive and continue the roles in the in in the church as revealed. No, I, I don't necessarily think that. We saw the prime minister, by the way, Scott Morrison, have strong links to Hillsong and a lot of views that were perhaps marginalised by others. Um, everyone has their own views in life, and I don't know to what degree he holds those personal views or otherwise. So I'm with you on understanding, but I think Essendon would be moral bound to understand it, and sure they've already done that. Like that, that could not be. Surely a journalist didn't go to a website, go, oh, here's a few interesting quotes about this guy in his church, and then put it on the front page of the paper, and the footy club go, gee, I didn't know that in the process. Like, well, I I don't know what happened there, but again, there was a lot of stuff flying around yesterday when it was publicly announced that he was. Um, CEO from from various organisations, well aware of the connection with the, that religion or that church group. Again, after the announcement, not not before it. So, footy clubs are very in, uh, inclusive places and an inclusive. Well, uh, they tell us they are. No, 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 let's not get too cute. They tell us they are, and and they will. 
espouse the you know the, the virtues of so many uh, parts of of society. So inclusion is a key one, Hachi. Absolutely. So to your point, I mean, it does clash, doesn't it? Well, we've seen a very complicated and culturally sensitive issue at Hawthorne, which in part related to abortion. So how does that conversation go at Essendon in um, of any player, not necessarily in an Indigenous player? So you, you see this requiring an action? No, I would... Like an immediate I, I would action, think Essendon, either a resignation or a public explanation? No, I would think Essendon already have... Don't back away from what you're saying. Don't worry. Let me finish. Essendon would surely understand Andrew's own personal views on these things ongoing already. I, I choose to believe that was part of the process and they've reached a position where they understand his personal views. You and I don't know. We've just relied on quotes off a website. Actually, he ran the process at the outset. He was interviewing potential CEO candidates, from what I've been told. Yeah. They're, they're very reasonable questions to have asked him in the process. I would choose to think What that process? What David Barham said, he stepped away from the process a week ago and was interviewed like everybody else and won the job on merit. So in that interview, Ernst and Young, Essendon I, and others... I would argue, actually, I think they identified him more than a week ago. Yeah, so on that basis, they would clearly be aware, surely, of this, of his views on these areas. They don't, they're not necessarily his views, but he is... He is are, are you saying surely, as in a good business would know, or you know that they know? How could you run a process that thorough and not be able to find what a journalist found on the website in two minutes? It's not possible. Surely, is it? That'd be like an episode of... Well, I don't know whether you need... Would you know what religion every person's got? And Well, when his bio says he's chairman of an eight-church movement called City on a Hill, mm. if I were interviewing... I'd look into City on a Hill. Yeah. If I were interviewing him, I'd say... Take, well, us, take, take a, us through this. Have a quick look at City on a Hill. Where's their website? Yeah. And, and again... Being a Christian is is a one no issue, wonderful thing. We're we're all Christians in one way, shape, or form. But you want to want to understand his role and and um, you know what public uh, positions he might need to take that either in line with yours or contrast yours. Have you got? And, I, and the easiest thing he could probably do is step aside from the from the church. Surely. It, well, that seems to be. It would be his an honorary passion. That would be seems an, to be his passion. Well, it would be an honorary position. It wouldn't preclude him from still going to church. How do you know it's an honorary position? You're surely not paid to be chairman of a. Oh, I got, I've got yeah. no idea, but I wouldn't. I, I don't think you assume anything. In You've anything. done a lot of asking questions. What do you think? I've just told you. I, I want to know his own views. I, I, I want to know his own views, and, and I think he needs to that pretty so quickly. So, if his own views were in step with those that are of the church, oh, if his own views are in step, are in lockstep with what 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 has been published on the church's website, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. What out 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 of the church or out of the out club? of the club? Really? If they're in lockstep. Yeah, it's a it's a very um but 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 a publishing of words said by people connected to that church I want to know what he thinks. I just want to know what he thinks. Yeah, but a lot of the quotes were linked to sermons of the church. So Yeah, but it, but again, Hutchie, if you want to link an individual to the teachings of a religion, Catholics and Catholicism included, Hutchie, you know, you, as in the extreme parts of it, and and if you want to talk about Catholics, the the way they've handled the so many abuses um, over over the years, well, anyone's a Catholic is associated with that on your basis there. So again, let, let's see what he says personally about these matters. Yeah, he was also um, CEO of one of the most inclusive businesses in the country, in the NAB, who um, who that didn't end well. It didn't end well, but I can't imagine the NAB didn't have an understanding of his role in this church along the way through, given... Oh, well, let's not get too moralistic about banks, Archie, and, and, 
and and big well, banks. No, I, I will. I, the, the, of course you will, because you get money out of the big banks. Well, you try to. Oh, Damo, NAB are not a, the NAB are not a partner of ours, but they are absolutely externally, as you've seen by their AFL relationship. Very, very inclusive organisation well, and a, a big organisation. They had a relationship with the AFL Hutchie at the time in question where it was in absolute question for the right reasons, as all the big banks were. And, and Andrew Thorburn was in charge of it at that point in time. But I don't I don't think that precludes him, by the way. I don't think that precludes him being Essendon. No, I don't either. No. Um, but it's- Has he done a Grant Thomas, though, and, and maybe been in a position where you're judging people I don't know. I'm asking the question. Well, this one. I knew you were going to say that because you're cynical, but I would I would throw this back at you and say this: if the person doing the review happens to be the best person for it, you can't not hire them just because they are accidentally running the review for you along the way. Often you learn about someone because you work with them. In Was the Grant place. Thomas the best person? I can't believe. And you. I don't I don't know the answer to whether Andrew Thorburn is. So I'm just asking you. The I question. would think if you're working with Andrew Thorburn to find the new CEO, and it crosses your mind that hey, what, what about what about you? And he says, yeah, maybe. Then you go for it. i got no problem with that. All right. Hey, uh, just before we move off Essendon, <laughs> Kevin Sheedy's comments oh last week. Oh, my goodness. What, what are we dealing with? And, and why? You talk about people still connected officially to that football club on this day. How, how has David Barham, despite it being the great Kevin Sheedy, not said, Kevin, thank you, mate. You are out. Out. How? And, and for those who missed it, he made comment publicly that he voted for James Heard, not Brad Scott, which I don't have an issue with. If that's what he wants to do privately, fine. But you don't, as you know this, Hutchie, you sit on boards. You do not publicly reveal that discussion. You and I love Sheeds as much as anyone in footy. Everyone in footy loves Sheeds. You can't not love him. He's fantastic. I don't love him unconditionally. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's the but. He's the conditional. This is not Sheeds' gig, sitting on a board. It's time to go. Because you need rules. You need to adhere to rules just, and protocols. It's just the last thing Essendon needs. And even legislation. The last thing Essendon needs is a lone wolf director. It doesn't right now. It needs solidarity. and They've been run by lone wolves for 20-something years. And I'm not – of all the things Kevin adds value for, and there, and probably very few people have added as much broad value in a footy club as he ever has, but being a director is, is not – he is being played out of position badly <laughs> on well, the board. So just let's just get the timeline of this. They need to find a new coach. We knew that all, all he wanted was James Hurd to return. So David Barham, I think rightly, then didn't make him part of the subcommittee to find a new coach off the board. And, yep. and then not just that, gave the dagger through the proverbial heart when he introduced Robert Walls, his greatest enemy yeah, that was during one. his time at footy, as yeah. a person to select the new yep. coach. So they go away and do all that. And if you want to believe there was a process or at least the perception of a process, and I'm in the latter camp again, Hutchie, on this, but they got their right man, but there was a process or perception of process. It's played out. And they certainly want to present to the public that there was a process. Yep. At the very first, at the very first exposure of the process to the public, he just says that yeah. no, I didn't even listen to the process findings. I wanted my man from the outset. You know what? You buried the lead there. I had never thought through the walls piece. That was the one that tipped him oh, over the edge. Wasn't it? That was one that got him. Yeah. The, and for those who don't know the history there, <laughs> I think it's still on YouTube. The the famous talking, uh, footy, talking show. footy show where yeah. he, he caught him a sniper, didn't he? I think yeah. it was the other way around and. It was as heated. I mean, you talk about you know, those live TV moments, and you've been been involved in a few yourself. That that's to me is the prime TV angst moment. Yep. That one. Yeah, that was the that was I, actually it was a good pickup time. I hadn't thought that through the Robert Walls piece. So that's what set him off. Uh, one more on on Footy Hutchie before we go, and it's again it's another 
uh, divisive person, and, and he's not loved like Kevin Sheedy, even unconditionally. Jeff Kennett, what are we dealing with here? It's it's a uh, it's a how do you describe it? It's a disgrace. It's what's well, he's leaving the room, isn't he? So this is the very end of the run, and it, it's coming at the right time, isn't it? No, oh, well, yeah. He's making worse an already very complex and ugly matter. Well, he's a bit damned if he does and damned if he doesn't on that front. Isn't he? Like if he if he doesn't, like people are saying, we haven't heard from him and where's Ke- Jeff in all of this? And then he decides to speak and and victim blames. Yeah, I think he he did. He crit- he criticised the complainants for going public. That, that's victim blaming. Yeah. I would have thought. And you felt that was unreasonable. Absolutely. Yeah. Why? Well, you ask you, you ask for involvement. In that process, he's been around the he's been around the block more than anyone we yep. know, Hutchie, and, and knows the the pitfalls of going around the block. You open that up as a football club for whatever reasons. We then we then find out when he first made his public offerings on this a week more than a week after it, it blew up, he then had dared to say that it was never meant to be a forensic analysis of the situation. So so what was it apart from yep. a box ticking exercise in his desire from the outset? So that. That phrase annoyed me as much as what he then offered the next day publicly on a microphone when he said and had a crack at the, the three people for, for daring to go to the media. Then he gets to the best and fairest on Saturday night and, and references Henry Bolte, a former premier of this state, Victoria, how Henry once said to me, uh, never never launch an inquiry to which you don't know the answer of in advance. Now, that, now I'm paraphrasing what he said, but basically saying, don't do this type of inquiry. So, so what is he saying? What messaging is he sending on, on, yeah. on the most serious football matter we've seen arguably in our lifetimes? It's hard to get past the fact that Hawthorne have botched this from the get-go, right? It was it was a poorly constructed... Scope of review? Scope of review. Yeah, I'm prepared to say that. Very poorly yeah. and shoddily um, bre- uh, referenced and briefed scope yeah. of review. They, they didn't check in on enough or have enough... Uh, oversight on it. Yep. They haven't given the victims any trust in their process. None. So, the Which vic- is probably the reason they did go public, I would say. Yeah, well, the victims have have been invited to the table to tell their story. Alleged victims. Alleged, well, sorry, excuse me. The alleged the alleged victims. Because we keep saying everyone's yep. due the right to reply, and, and that is why this is being held up now. Have been invited to tell their story. Um, and once they have received their story, Hawthorne themselves haven't acted on it. They passed on to another organisation, the AFL, to say, you guys go and do this all over again. Yep. And that, that's just to protect themselves. Yep. yep. And then there haven't been, there hasn't been any um, reference to say, if you, we need to interview everybody here, mm. not just we need to understand. Where, where do they think it was going to go if they got some information yeah. that, that needed some clarity? I mean, do they just. Well, I'll tell you what, Jeff just felt they could then say at, at, on his way out, we have done a review into this at Tomo Club and we're comfortable with where we're at now and there's nothing major to see here yeah. anyway. I can only assume that they thought they were squeaky clean and they've gone in to prove, they've gone to do a review to sort of prove that to be right and then the results have come back alleging the opposite. Yeah. And they've gone, oh, hang on, well, yeah. we didn't see this coming. But the AFL, help us, help us out here, we've got a bit of a problem. And, and it they've is, lost it control is of it. Now the AFL's issue. And now they've lost complete control of it. So yep. I don't think anyone, well, nobody, the, the alleged victims and those accused, no one has got trust in them or the system. No, they? no, they haven't. And, and meanwhile, every, everyone that's who's, why, who's involved in this, lives are on hold. That's why we can't start an investigation because the parties involved can't agree on the four people who are going to be overseeing them, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what I believe to be the, the hold up. Extraordinary situation. Can we yeah. just switch gear for a sec? Yep, it's been a bit heavy. Um, Got something to lighten it up? Do you want to do some? Well, just on Spin City for a, mec- yeah. for a second. I want I want you to go there today. On Spin City. On the sounding board, Spin City for DrinkWise. Remember, you won't miss a moment if you drink wise. It's nearly a full-time job having to spin Joe Biden's gaffes, right? He is he yep. is the most gaff-friendly uh, public figure we've ever seen, I think. I think he's he's got Trump covered. And well they cover up the gaffes too, the people around him. And and his press sex uh, as they're known, do a mighty job, mighty job of trying to hold the uh, the uh, wolves from the door. Last week there was an event at the White House where Joe Biden, or two weeks ago, he walked around seemingly looking for Jackie, a former congresswoman who had been instrumental in some policy um, making. Yes. Yep. He walked in the room, where's Jackie, how Jackie, what, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Jackie uh, had passed away. Um, some time ago. And and a week earlier, Joe Biden himself had acknowledged the passing of yeah, Jackie. Yeah, he, he paid his respects. Yeah. But then he walked in the room seemingly looking for her, right? Not seemingly, requesting, no, where did. is she, where is yeah. she? Yeah. Now, There's no seemingly <laughs> about that. Just, just where is she? She's not there. Now, that's a tough sell for the press sec, who, who goes to work that day expecting the question, because if you look at the, and we'll post this on our, our socials as well, the press secretary, and I wish I had her name. She yeah, was I do. Karine Jean-Pierre, and I may have got the pronunciation out yep. of whack there, Hutchie, but that's the way I would read that particular okay. name. And we do have the audio press of, of her defending. Here it is. What happened in the hunger event today? The president appeared to look around the room uh, for an audience member, a member of Congress who passed away last month. He seemed to indicate she might be in the room. What, so- what so the president was, uh, as you all know, you guys were watching uh, today's event, a very important event on uh, food insecurity. The president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. He had uh, he had already uh, planned to welcome the congresswoman's family uh, to the White House on Friday. There will be a, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so, of course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind uh, for the president. He uh, looks very much looks forward to discussing her remarkable legacy of public service with them when he sees her family this coming Friday. He said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. No, I totally understand. I just I just explained she was on top of mind. Uh, um, you know, she, this wasn't what we were able to witness today and what the president was able to lift up. Uh, in this, uh, at this conference, at this event. So I'm going to give that a nine out of ten for spin. I'm giving it ten. I thought it was a magnificent. I'm, I'm giving it ten. <laughs> All right. So imagine going home. How was your day today, honey? Oh, I had a curly one at work. What happened? Well, you know, unfortunately, the deceased congresswoman who Joe thought he saw last week. Yeah, that question came up. So how'd you handle it? Well, I bought a bit of time at the front. I just sort of, you know, extended myself six or seven seconds to buy a bit of. Uh, <laughs> And then I see. We used to talk about this if this wasn't a dead person, the focus of it. But but this is what happened. Yeah, top of mind. (laughs) Top of mind. It was a tremendous. um, You can imagine. I I don't think you could have spun that better in Spin City. It was a tremendous uh, attempt to um, deflect and reflect. I thought it was (laughs) the the follow up question. I reckon the first question had prepared, ready, and executed perfectly. The follow up that was the one that was. 
The ball started to move around a bit, didn't it, at that point? Yeah. yeah. And in those situations. So that point would be staunch defence. In those then. situations, I would suggest you go in with that softer question first yeah. up, hoping you get the answer you want. But when yeah. you don't, just go, no, 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 no. He's looking for a dead person in the room who, yeah. who he knows is dead because last week he acknowledged the yeah. death. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, Archie. That's a tough kick, isn't it? <laughs> no, it is. Uh, we should go over to question of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to drink wise. Hi, she's a couple that we can uh, take out of the question of the week. Do you, I don't know whether any grab your um, attention here. There's a couple referencing me. I don't even know what they're about. Uh, oh, they're referencing you, Damo. That must be important. Well, I didn't want to read them out. And, and as such, I don't know whether we want to talk about them. But do you want to have a look at this one? Uh, Kevin Perry, who does uh, listen to this show and... And, and is a media writer of uh, uh, Note Himself, TV Black Box. Uh, do you think Alistair Clarkson would have had a better chance of salvaging his coaching career and public credibility if he had issued a full and unreserved apology for his role in the racism issues at Hawthorne rather than threatening legal action? I'll just jump in there first. If he's got in his mind nothing to apologise for, Kevin, no. Um, there's no reason at all to go down that path. And, and from what we're led to believe, Alistair wants to defend himself fully of all allegations, which is the delay in this whole particular saga. But to, to admit guilt for something that you deep down don't believe you've done, yep. it, it, while it may have made it go away to a point, it's, it's not something that any person, I think, who's got some some you know genuine conviction of one's self would, would ever yeah, I'll, contemplate Kevin, I'll, doing. I'll, you know my views on this podcast over a long period of time, I, I've always said you should accept more blame than you're owed. You've always said that. However, if you feel you're owed no blame at all and you are staunch in your own view, you did nothing wrong, well, then I think you're absolutely entitled to dig in. Yep. And that's what Alistair has done. So fair question, Kevin, and you, a lot to play out. Do you want to maybe ask the one that I was hoping you might have got to, Hutchie, in that in the, it's a crack at me from Andrew McKenzie there on page uh, seven it is. Yeah. Damo, according to you, the Bombers coaching search process was just a smokescreen but other times you were critical of clubs like the Kangaroos for not running a process at all. Some clubs can't win, especially ones you hold a grudge against. True or false? No, I just love how the people retrofit what it is that they think I may have said or, or, or felt about a certain issue. I don't – I've never had an issue with – I think processes get in the way. I, 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 if I was running a footy club, I don't think I'd be doing a process. I, I would identify the person I want and just go and get that person. I, I don't I don't recall ever – what I do – time code that, Jane, for future uh, – Anger from Damo when people don't run processes. We'll just <laughs> write that down. Series 7, episode 35, proc 35 oh, minutes in. Processes, Hachi, are, are just a mechanism around which a club and the people making decisions can hide uh, around. And then usually they're a bunch of people who have not got connections to the I footy think, club. I think uh, I agree with Andrew. And to quote your own vernacular, you have rules for some and rules for others. And because you're a bomber hater... <laughs> But I'm a North hater too, according to North fans, and yeah. now I don't... Well, not now you're back in the tent. No, but I, I never was back in the tent, Hutchie. I'm switching gears for yep. a sec. Do, do you agree, though? I, I, I can't imagine... I cannot imagine you in appointing an independent panel of people to sit on a panel to to determine for you who you're going to put in at your main position, who you would make as... It's not really my style, but it's... No, it's not I, your I style, I would style, also Hutchie. say I'm not a great hire either, so I always try and... But you'd go and headhunt, I reckon. You, you would... If, you, if there's a, a clear candidate you think you want... Go and, and get you that know person. You need, go and get them and back them in. And Essendon, in getting Brad yep. Scott... But poor old Adam Uze, who was forced to go through this process, yep. believing he was a chance. With, if Brad was going to say yes to it, 
Adamuze was no chance. Yeah. The, the, the chance that Adamuze had was Brad saying no to the approach. Yeah. So poor old Adam's been put out there, but it makes sense and then feel good about yeah. themselves. Hey, we had a process. We well, I mean, process. he was probably the coach. He was, he was playing B, right? So I think it, I don't think they handled. I think they handled the Adam Muse thing the right way. I think they handled it well too. Uh, okay, as well. But but don't don't for a minute think the process was going to unearth Adam Muse's coach once Brad Scott was available. No, but they needed to have a warm plan B, and he was the best of the others, wasn't he? Well, that's that's a different conversation. Yep. I, yep. Personally, I I accept that I don't hire. I hire too instinctively, so I try and remove myself. From a from any process until the last two or three candidates, because I always think I'm less chance of making a mistake when people have been vetted to that point. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And now, just switching gear completely. Okay. This really got to me. I'm a big fan of the Melbourne City Council, and, uh, and oh, I, you're a big fan. Are you? I am. you? You advocate their work, and no, I am, and I'm an unashamed fan of the mayor. What do they, what do, they do? What do they, what does the well, council do? I think they've done a great job running the city for a long time. So They've run into the ground, Hutchie. Can I just finish? Oh, okay. Well, you have your say on the council, Damo. I've got no interest in talking about the council. Oh, okay. Well, let me finish mine. But. <laughs> but. Here we go. The, the conditional, love. I read this and I was scratching my head. Melbourne City Councils insist they have good reasons for reintroducing outdoor dining fees. Councillors voted to discontinue waiving the fees for restaurants and bars unanimously. This is in Melbourne, mm. after restaurant and bar owners had been exempt for paying them to ease with recovering from the pandemic. A 50% discount will be added to June 30. However, from there, people are on their own. And I saw that this has been budgeted for as a line item. The council expects the reintroduction of fees to boost council revenue up to 716000 for outdoor and El Fresco dining and 22000 for busking fees. Well, they're hitting the buskers too, are they? Can you explain to me... Oh, they're hitting the buskers up. <laughs> Running a business is bloody hard in 2022. It is near impossible. It is so difficult for people. If you are a restaurant or a bar owner, which I'm not one and haven't been one, but I have huge empathy for, it's hard work. You've got staff shortages. You're trying to work around all sorts of problems and logistics and price hikes and inflation and the products cost more. Eating outside and busking for that matter adds so much to our lives, our day-to-day commutes, our experiences. Why are we not fostering that? How are we charging fees in the first place of restaurants and bars for that privilege? It's their land, Hutchie. They can charge for use what of it. What a joke, Damo. Remove the I fees. Agree. I absolutely agree with you. If it's $716,000 $22,000, find the revenue somewhere else. Don't pin the restaurants and bar owners. Hutchie, this is a council that felt the need to go to, was it Singapore or somewhere, to, 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 to analyse how best to work with the graffiti issue? I think that they do um, an enormous amount of good. I mean, okay, can you can you rattle off the top five things the council has done? That, I'm that, not that, gonna, no, no, because you won't be able to. That's what I'm asking you to I'm do. Not gonna get well, into, what have they done good? I'm not gonna what, get what, into what good have they done? I'm not going to get into a. Is, uh, it the, is it the bike lanes they've put in? Is that number one on the list of good? I'm not going to get into a game of council tennis no, with you. I'm you, just ta- no, you wouldn't be able to name five things. You wouldn't be able to name I'm, one, I don't think. I'm going to name you one thing I don't like, and that's this. <laughs> don't worry. Stop saying you've got a lot of time for people, but just saying. Just say what I say about the council. What does it do, the council, apart from take taxes? But do you, do you agree with me on this particular Absolutely, issue? I do. Yeah. yeah. Like, surely we want to foster an environment as a city. The where- city's hemorrhaging still. And now, again, it's signs of growth, aren't there? I've been in there a few times recently, yeah. and it's better than it was a few months ago, but obviously. Like, like, rule 1A should be, how do we get people eating outside? Mm. It's, it's good for public health. It's good for the atmosphere of a city. It's good for um, social cohesion. It's good for 
driving workers back into the workforce. It's it's good for um, the spread of um, minimising the spread of COVID. Like honestly, if I was running a bar in the city and they came to me and said, "Oh, bad news, the fees are back up from July one," I'd be packing up my show and moving to. Um, well, that's happened. New York or LA, where you don't get taxed in the streets. That well, is happened. Sorry, you probably. I'm sure you get. I'm sure you do get taxed in the streets over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, ABC fact checkers. <laughs> I was conceded defeat now. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. Probably got me there. You, you're yeah. gone there, Archie. In fact, even though you've retracted that straight away, they will still fact check. Regardless of who and where does it, it shouldn't happen. Mm. Just it before be- we close, though, can you next week give us the five things you like about the Melbourne City I will. Council? Yep, you're on. No problem. Yep. yep. Where, where do bike lanes fit in it? We think we're New York and Paris. You don't, you don't like the bike oh. lanes, do you? <laughs> Have you seen them? No one uses them for start. Why don't you like the bike lane? Well, there's no reason to go to this this city, this uh, city, Hutchie. Oh, I didn't know I was opening a can of cynicism on you. I just really, really had one issue I didn't like, and all of a sudden you. So the top five Melbourne City Council. All right, you're on. I'll next week, right? I'll do that next week. That's fine. <laughs> Who are you going to commission that project to? Between I'll do now it. and then, I'll do it. Who? Sally Cap. Google the Lord Mayor. Google. <laughs> all right. That was. Did we get through? Did yeah, we, we, got through we, did yeah. we get through everything? Yeah. yeah, I think we did. Right? We're good. Yeah. Hmm. And actually, I asked Jane to access that Australian Financial Review article that someone told us to analyse. Do you want to quickly do it or do you want to? Sure. It's your show, Damo. I'm just a guest. (laughs) (laughs) Max Um, Becker's waiting in the lobby, but, you know, maybe maybe Max could ask you about the NRL rights. Did you read the article in the Australian Financial Review? I did. Can you take me through it? Because this is your space, TV rights and and NFL rights versus AFL rights and the other fascination we've got being PVL, Peter Volandis' take on on his code, NRL versus AFL. So the Financial Review wrote a story kind of probing as to whether the NRL felt it had got fair value from its rights on the back of the AFL rights. And there was a bit of conjecture around the clubs that there were triggers or top-ups in the NRL deal that said if the AFL got a better deal, then they'd get a you know, a bonus or within 10%. There's a lot of... Con- would that work? A lot of conjecture. I mean, that. could that be possible? Well, I suppose it could be, but that was the conjecture around the deal, which um, Mr. Valanis, Peter Valanis also, he denied that the NRL sought tens of millions of extra payments from broadcast partner Foxtel to bring its existing rights closer. Um, and uh, Peter Valanis said, it's a misunderstanding because we never asked for a retrospective payment. We have other things that we are developing that he can't discuss. So, yeah, so like the... I guess the inference is, since the AFL got a bigger number... A lot bigger number. Does the NRL think it got the right number? Um, Peter Valandis in this story goes on to talk about the unknown nature of how much is controversy cash, and they normally report their number as cash. I'll read a paragraph here. NRL officials are convinced the AFL deal includes a large amount of contra or non-cash benefits, such as free TV advertising. Yep. That would be the case, I reckon. I reckon every AFL deal has had a lot of contra. So I would say this, like the NRL didn't have the the depth of reserves the AFL did at the time of the pandemic. So yep. the, the AFL had a stadium to lean back on, the NRL didn't. The AFL had, it was a far easier path for the AFL to push their rights out three years, whereas the NRL understandably chose solidarity and strength in the game at that time. And I challenge anyone in that chair who wouldn't have done the same thing and Better down their future for five years. Yep. When you don't have an asset to fall back on. Oh, those scary forward. times back in 2020. Yep. Yeah. The AFL have done a better deal. How much better, we don't know because of the unknown nature of controversies cash, but it's better than the NRL. That's indis- undisputable. Yep. The AFL still goes out to 31. 
the NRL still goes at the 27. Clearly, the NRL are going to eye a bigger deal, 28, 9, 30, 31, and have seen the AFL deal and want to make some inroads into that number. And the NRL are clearly going to try and put more product on the table in order to do it. Now, they've got probably an ability to create more product that's new than the AFL do. They got, in what way? Well, they've got the Dolphins coming, potentially another team after that. They could go back to broadcast partners and say we've created more content. Yeah, I don't know whether that's a selling point. I know what you say in terms of it's an extra game and there's more content, but but they've got quality of content is the key. They've got three origin. Yeah, would they want to go to five or four? I oh, doubt it. But surely not. They've got international. That, rug- that killed Big Bash. They've got international rugby league, which the AFL haven't. So that's starting to become a thing again. Like this build up to this rugby world cup with New Zealand being among the favourites is huge. They've also got an Australian-New Zealand rivalry that's emerging pretty strongly underneath their watch because the New Zealand team has never been stronger. It's only got one warrior in the New Zealand team. So I think they'll be – and then they've got different forms of their game and shorter-form versions and Rugby 7 spin-offs. So clearly, if they want to innovate to try and create new value to erode some of the difference, they If you've can. got to say in the state of origin part of that conversation, can you please do not increase it from three? I don't think they will. I'm just Good. saying they could. Um so I, I think that their position has been really well handled, to be honest. I, I think they did a deal they had to do at the time. Yeah. And now there's a bit of ego of who got more money and how and whatever. But the NRL still ends four years earlier. And sometimes who knows what the landscape looks like in four years. Plus, they're they're more of a global sport than the AFL. They've got, you know, markets like the US. They're going to, be, they're going to have a better shot at than the, at the, and the UK. The UK has already played rugby league there. So I don't – I quite like where they are. Yeah, okay. And I would defend their uh, decision-making along the way. You're a big advocate, though, too, of the, Astra- of the AFL international push to China well, and I think New the Zealand AFL and South Africa. some of their money into yeah. the global good. I, 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 do. don't, I, I don't think they should I invest you know, one you cent. You don't like anything new. No, no, I just know it doesn't work. You, you think you just, we'd still be part Actually, of AFL? I've told you, I've been on two junkets to South Africa if as we were, part of the AFL pursuit. It was never going to work there, and it hasn't. If you are on the AFL commission, it would yep. be called the VFL commission for one. No, I would have but, playing, I would have endorsed the AFL. There you go. We'd still be playing the Army Reserve Cup at the Lakeside nah, Oval? No, nah, I would have endorsed the AFL. Swans would be the only team on television. <laughs> Seven's big league would <laughs> still be on on a Saturday night. Warwick Kappa wearing his tight shorts for the reserves. Waverley, VFL Park would still be a thing. And we'd be looking at the scoreboard seeing E play F on a Saturday. And you're v- saying, oh, VFL Park wouldn't have been the worst thing to retain, <laughs> actually, with, with a train line out there. Oh, here we go. <laughs> well, it was the growth corridor, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness. Everything, everything else is based on a growth corridor. It's There's no growth corridor in China. This has been the sounding board for, for drink an AFL perspective. If you're choosing to have a drink, and like Damo, if you're choosing to throw shade on anything new, <laughs> choose to drink wise. Looking forward to your top five Melbourne City Council pursuits next week too, Hutchie.